Welcome to the Vet Church Podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. Hey, hey, Vet Church, how y'all doing? So, uh, I'm sitting here with Carl Munger. Now, you were you're a ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, you, well, explain that bat stuff. Well, technically, still am because I got the tab. Oh, that's right, ranger <laughs> for life, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's what we tell the guys when we're working with them. You're a ranger for life, but you can't ranger for life. <laughs> <laughs> There's a distinction. There's a distinction there. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, for, for those that might not know, you graduate from the roughly two-month U.S. Army Ranger School. Successfully, you get the ranger tab, then you're a ranger. But if you serve in a ranger in the Ranger Regiment, which is the only active duty Ranger unit that's out there, then you're a Ranger. And uh, you know there are many people who say that the Ranger Regiment is the true Ranger, and the Ranger Tab is not a true Ranger. I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for that conversation. M- maybe in part because I was a tabbed Ranger for seven years before I was blessed and lucky enough to go serve in the regiment yeah, it's for kind of three invitation, years. Right. Well, if you're a leader in the regiment, you can't be a leader unless you have the tab. It's a prerequisite. So if you're a a team leader, squad leader, platoon sergeant, platoon leader, first sergeant, all the way up, you have to have a tab or you are not put in a leadership role. That's just, that's why Steve Barry, when he was a 40-year-old ranger chaplain, had to go get his ranger tab. Because he was a leadership role, right? And Steve Barry is the man that introduced the two of us. Right. And I met Steve Barry when I came back from Afghanistan, which for for the for our viewing audience. And um as I think about this, it's I think it's also important to like put context out there a little bit. So you have the regular army, um, you have special forces, mm-hmm. and you have Green Berets. Now Which Rangers, is special forces. Those are the same thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so the but the Rangers wear a different color mm-hmm. uh beret. Mm-hmm. It's a tambourine. Mm-hmm. And talk a little bit about, like, I don't even know how to describe it. You see the big yellow thing that says Rangers. The tab is what they call it. They put it over the unit patch. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. For the Say I was, I was somebody who cared about the military. Mm-hmm. I was a child of somebody who they knew their dad was a Ranger. Or mm-hmm. um, and we only have one female Ranger, I think. Of all time. There's more than that. Is there more oh, now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's actually women serving in the active duty ranger right regiment now. that have passed the ranger assessment program. Oh, good deal. Yeah. We're, we're making yeah. strides. Yeah. Um, and my position on all that is, if the active duty folks say it makes them more lethal, whatever you guys say works. Yeah. Whether it's with women, without women, but you guys are the active duty people. You, you say what works for you. I'm here to support your community. You, you are the folks that are doing the work. We're going to help you out. Well, and, and I ask, you know, I, I kind of I went there because I run into so many children of veterans and spouses, some divorced, mm-hmm. that don't know anything about, oh, I know he was a something or other, mm-hmm. or she was a something or other. But a ranger is a different, I mean, it's a different group of individuals. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever met any rangers, I was out ruck marching, which is, means I had a pack on, 
some boots and I was out in the middle of the field in Germany with um, Morel, I think. I think we were walking through the, and, the, and these two guys came running by us. <laughs> we were walking <laughs> along with our packs, you know, and they went jogging by and I thought, and, and later we saw them in the day yeah. and they had this ranger tab on mm -hmm. and, and oh yeah, that's what we do all the time, which I thought was just absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of wild, but that's who you guys are. There's a, well, yeah. but I mean, it's, 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 it's like this, it's extreme conditioning to go. Well, the, the black and gold ranger tab that you get from going to the school, mm -hmm. that is, it's a, it's a leadership under stress school. So they don't teach you how to be a perfect infantryman. They don't teach you to do the, the they use the format of patrolling and combat operations to induce stress. And then can you motivate 12 or 25 other ranger students who haven't slept and haven't eaten in days to go do something that's very difficult and dangerous and do it safely and successfully. Can you do that? And they're not grading you on was your sector sketch right and did the, you know, did you prevent the enemy from coming in over here? That's not so much what they're concerned about. It's can you motivate those men and women to accomplish whatever that mission is. So it's a leadership under stress school. Um, and, and the theory there, and when they developed it back Korean War time frame, I think 1950 or 51 was the first ranger school, was because they, they wanted to be able to develop these combat, these leaders that could prove in a training environment that they could be successful leaders in combat. So that was the whole purpose about it. Uh, only after, uh, during the Korean War was when the, from World War II, the first active duty ranger unit started, and that was a ranger company that uh, retired Colonel Ralph Puckett was the was the first officer to stand up and command, and he's still alive. lives lives in uh, Georgia, and I get to see him every once in a while. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Very, very good man. He's got a ton of stories. Oh, amazing! Yeah, he, he's written a book. One's the his most recent book is called The Ranger, and uh, and it's worth reading. It's it's uh, phenomenal. The things that he had to do and accomplished in his life. It's called what? The Ranger. The Ranger. Yep. By Puckett, Ralph Puckett. So, yeah. I, and I, I hit that because we're sitting here today, Fort Worth, Texas, mm -hmm. um, at a Gallant Few event, mm -hmm. and you run Gallant Few. Mm -hmm. Well, I try to keep up, yeah. Well, <laughs> but you, you know, it's like, I remember when I first did my first Out West, I'm going to go play some music, and Steve Berry introduced us mm -hmm. and told me, you got to go by this guy's house. I'm sleeping in my truck then, you mm -hmm. know, going around visiting soldiers, you know, and uh, and well, veterans. Period. All kinds. I mean, if you're a veteran, I'll come see you if yeah. you need. If you well, need and, and a lot of times it's nor it's natural when you say soldier, you mean veteran. I right? do. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really yeah. do. And um, the Marines, though, they'll they'll point out that that's they get a little twisted. Yeah. You, you, well, you know. <laughs> You're not in the Navy, but you're in the Navy. It's a big mess. <laughs> but but if you ever offend a Marine, just give them a crayon. They'll eat it. They'll be happy. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's some great people. <laughs> but um, <laughs> a good friend of mine, he likes the red ones best. <laughs> the red pill or the blue pill? I say all that in jest for all we you say a love. hero people Absolutely. that I love so much. Say it love. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, the first time I ever talked to somebody who started telling me their stories that was a veteran was my great uncle. I'd come back from Afghanistan, mm -hmm. and he was a Marine, and mm -hmm. he had invaded beaches in mm -hmm. World War II. 
and he called Kate and his wife in to sit with us. He started telling me all these stories. He said, I've never told anybody this stuff. By the time he passed away, he told like everybody in the family, a bunch, not just those stories, but other stories. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I realized there's something powerful in telling stories. And Gallant Few, when I started this trip, I wasn't, I wasn't doing these interviews. Right. I was just playing music. And you said, well, come stay in my house. And we sat. And we did an interview in my office. Mm -hmm. We did. Mm -hmm. We did, yes. And, and, and you told me, you gave me some good advice. You said, a lot of people promise something because they're emotionally moved. Right. And they, and they fully intend to follow through. But they won't. And then they don't. Right? And, and, and it's not that they're lying to you. It's just that they, it's like you, you're going to move. You're going to keep moving. Mm -hmm. And things got to keep going. And their lives are going too. And they come in contact with this. There's something sacred about veterans. Mm -hmm. And so what I really would like to do is I'd like to shut up for a minute and let you talk just a minute about Gallant Few. And so I'm here at Vet Expo 2018. Right. I'm going to be playing some music, talking to a bunch of veterans. And I'm here because you offered me a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the I didn't want him to stay in my house again. That's why we got the hotel room. The, it's interesting you talked about your great uncle because I had a similar experience, only because I'm way older than you. My great uncle was a World War I veteran, and he was a squad leader in the Meuse-Argonne in France in World War I, and never told anybody in the family any of his experiences. And I came home on leave. I think I was serving in the Ranger Battalion at the time. Came home on leave, and there was some family get-together, and families have, have, I think, evolved is not the right term, but the circumstances now are a little different. So my family back, back then, 25, 30 years ago, if there was a weekend, then like all the cousins, all the cousins' kids, all the everybody, there'd be like 50 people that would go to one family member's house, and my grandpa or somebody would cook hamburgers and hot dogs for everybody, and the kids would run around crazy, and and uh, and that. That's normal. My family doesn't do that anymore, but it's probably because we're all spread out. But but back then, it was an important part when I grew up, and uh, they they always my grandparents always made my on my mother's side always made uh, a very nice effort on doing something special. Like when I came back from the army, they would have everybody over and have a cake. Look, Carl's back from the army. It's like the prodigal son come back or something. But uh, on this particular occasion, my great uncle Roy, who's my grandmother's brother, uh, he was he and I found ourselves sitting on the back porch by ourselves. Nobody else was around, and I knew he was a World War One veteran, but I didn't know what he had done. And he just he started telling some stories. He just felt wow. moved to share with me some of the things that he had been through. And, uh, and the, the conversations were phenomenal. And down the road, after he passed away, I inherited the compass that he carried as a squad leader. I've got the canteen cup. I have a couple of belt buckles. He took off some Germans. Um, I have the yearbook that they published. I've got this wonderful fold-out. I think you might have seen it in my office. It's a fold-out picture of the 353rd Infantry Company, right, with all of the soldiers that, that were there. and. Uh, as, as I'm soaking in all these stories, then that's over. The next day I'm back at my grandmother's house and she's doing something around the kitchen. And, and I said, hey, Grandma, that Uncle Roy was telling me about that time that you know, he was in the trench and the mortars were coming in and his buddy got wounded and he had to help him. And, 
And I said, that's, that's an amazing story. And she about dropped the plate she was holding because she had no idea. She, she was like, he's told you what? He did what? And this is 70 years later, and he had never shared those stories with his sister and, and with anybody else in the family. And it just, it, it, and I didn't realize at the time the power of the conversation it took for me to start working with other veterans to realize when you have somebody that's been through an experience, an infantryman in World War I that connects with an infantryman from Desert Storm, which was me, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we have, besides the fact that we're blood, but now we have a connection that's almost deeper than that. Uh, I've connected Vietnam veterans from the Marine Corps with Afghanistan Marine Corps veterans. Mm -hmm. And when I introduce them, I might as well just go somewhere else because now they're into each other and they're talking and they're sharing their experiences and it becomes a healing experience for both of them because the especially the Vietnam veteran they have not been asked to do anything right. right they are they are the most ignored veteran population that's out there big organizations that that raise millions and millions of dollars a year only take care of veterans post 9/11 they're not interested in helping out a pre-9-11 veteran. And right? while we're there, I'd like to just point out too, and you might say a little more about mm -hmm. this, the numbers of us 22 a day killing ourselves, half of those are Vietnam 65% are over 50. The VA's own study says 65% of them are over the age of 50. So so that's most, That's you're talking Vietnam veteran, you're talking Desert Storm era and older veterans, right? And but these big organizations that are out there have all these resources. They go for the sexy. They go for the, hey, this kid was in Afghanistan last year, so help them out. You don't want to put a Vietnam veteran that's struggled for the last 40 years on your commercial because then people are like, well, that's a bum. That's not, you know, why should we help that person? And, and that's not a fair representation of it. But, but I think that's the mentality that they go through. But so uh, there's a dear friend of mine. Uh, his name is Mylan. He's going to be speaking at Vet Expo. He's a Vietnam veteran. And has, has he and I got acquainted, one of the things that we do, I ping around a lot when I talk, in case you haven't noticed that. I'm one of the you. things that I do, that's scary that you're following me, but we do, and, and we didn't do this a year ago when you and I first met. Now we do it. We do a 25-question, what we call an azimuth check survey that we ask veterans to take, and it covers five functional fitness areas. Okay, when you so say we were talking about Gallant Few Gallant as Few. an organization. You can go right. to gallantfew.org right this minute and check out what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and so we 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 believe in fitness not wellness. We trashed the term wellness uh, a couple of years ago because to me when you say uh, you know emotional wellness, what what is that? Right, it's, it's horse crap. Is yeah. What it is. So, so to me, that's you're going to lay on a couch, tell somebody your problems. They're going to give you some drugs, and then you go to sleep or something. I don't. Know. It just, to me, that doesn't indicate uh, setting a mark in the sand, and then I'm going to improve on this. I'm going to measure how what my level of improvement is. So we trashed the term wellness, and we went to fitness. So now we talk in terms of fitness with everything that we do. Uh, we talk functional fitness because if it's not functional, then why the hell are you messing with it? Right? Yeah. Theoretical doesn't work. So if somebody is telling you some study says that if you eat three vitamins of whatever a day that you're going to feel better, well, if it's not 
theoretical stuff just doesn't work. It's got to be functional. It has to be something that if I tell you this right now, you can try it in the next five minutes and you know if it's going to work for you or not, right? So it has to be functional. And the five areas of functional fitness are not in order of importance, okay? Uh, functional physical fitness. So why are you doing push-ups, pull-ups, and a two-mile run every day when you left the Army 10 years ago and you like to ski in the wintertime? Why are you not going to the gym and doing things that make you a better skier when you go skiing, right? If, if you like, like I, I love to rock climb, I like to ride my bike. I can't run anymore because I've had a hip replacement. So why should I go to the gym and do the bench press and curls and you know, work around a weight rack when that doesn't help me ride my bike or it doesn't help me be a better rock climber? So I need to do things that functionally make me more fit in what I choose to do. If you have a job that makes you on your feet all the time or you sit at your desk all the time, do you have a fitness plan? And we'll roll, roll nutrition into it as well. Do you have a fitness and nutrition plan that helps you have a longer, healthier life? If you're going to sit on your butt in front of a desk all day long looking at a computer, what are you doing so that you don't put a pound on a week so that two years from now you're 75 pounds heavier than you were when you left the military, right? So we talk about those kind of things, and we help people try to identify ways to to do something different. Um, functional social fitness. Most young men and women, when they join the military, are not taught which wine goes with which cheese when it comes to alcohol consumption, <laughs> right? So the, the habits that they learn while they're on active duty, they take with them when they leave active duty. Yeah. And those can create significant problems. It, it, a DUI, it, you kill somebody, you don't have money because you're spending it all. I've, I've worked with veterans that drink a handle of vodka a day. I didn't know what a handle of vodka was. I had to find out after they told me, how much do you drink it? I drink a handle of vodka. What is a hand? I, I'm familiar with a fifth. They're like, yeah, that's like two fifths a day. I can't drink that much water in a day. How do you drink that much vodka in a day? But, but so helping people find resources that can help them with that but there is a culture in the military and in the veteran community that hard partying involving alcohol is the thing to do. So we got to talk about uh, what are responsible uses of alcohol because I am in Ben Franklin's camp and I believe that beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. But you have to do it in moderation, right? Yeah. You, have to, oh, yeah. you have to be responsible in the way that you use it. And I love scotch. So, but I have to be responsible in the way that I use I'll it. Drinks for your good scotch. Yeah, yes, and yes, sir, and so so learning. One of the questions that we ask on this survey is: on a scale of one to ten, the only place I go for fun are bars, a little or a lot. So, if you're telling me eight out of ten, that's your default to when you want to go somewhere and have fun, you go to a bar. The people that you meet there are probably not going to be your lifelong partners. So. What, what are you, how can you expand outside of that? So let's make it, let's move it down to five out of 10. So with the other 50% of the time, what are you doing that doesn't default to go to a bar? So to educate them on things like rotary clubs and chambers of commerce who have socials and church groups that do different things, to, to, to learn where those are in your local community when you leave active duty is tough. It takes a while for you to break in, and then somebody has to say, hey, come with me to my Rotary Club on Monday. Yeah, but it, I'll tell you, if you go to rotary.org and put your zip code in, you're going to find, if you're in a big town, you're going to find 100 Rotary Clubs. Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's 120 Rotary Clubs in this area that you can go visit 
at your leisure and they'll you pay for your meal when you go but they're going to welcome you come in hey visit they they want more people to come be a part of that and that uh, without doing a big rotary commercial their motto is service above self it's a group of local mostly business people that believe in giving back to their community and they'll do fundraisers to give kids scholarships the rotary club that i belong to for five years now has funded a grant to pay for me to take veterans indoor rock climbing two times a week at a local climbing gym. So they want to get involved, they want to do things that have impact, but they need people to come and be a part of that. And it's very rewarding and it's a social environment, make friends and get to do things. So uh, next, number three, functional professional fitness. Professional fitness is your education, it's your money management, it's your um, professional network, it's your job. Right, starting right off in the military right now, Bryce Mahoney, who's the director of the Darby Project, the Ranger program. If you haven't met him yet, you will, because he came in here with me tonight. But that was but Bryce? he says, oh, okay. He says, you know, if you take the the military now is this great program where you can do an allotment to a savings account, that's kind of like a 401k or something. If the first day that you start in the military, if you take 10% of your pay and you put in there. When you leave the military four years later, you have $10,000, $12,000 in that account, right? And, and you've built this up. Now you have the ability to have some decision-making control over what you do in your transition. You don't have to jump into going to school right away to get GI Bill to pay for an apartment because I don't know what I'm going to study, but i got to have a place to live. Now you have some cash, right? So you can kind of start to have a little bit of flexibility. But developing those habits early on is incredibly important. You go on a deployment for a year. What are you doing with your year's worth of salary? You come back, you buy the newest F-150 pickup truck, and then you got you get hurt and you're out of the military on a 10% retirement. Now you have a $700 truck payment. It's stupid to, that yeah. we do this to ourselves, but I talk to veterans all the time that do it. And then when they run out of money, they come to a nonprofit like us and they say, hey, I can't make my truck payment this month. And I, How much is your truck payment? $700? $700. I wish I had a truck payment that was $700. Why do you expect me to pay for your bad decision? So that goes into a completely different track. But to understand that you've got to start budgeting your money early on, you've got to follow that budget, you've got to work in that work, you've got to start building yourself towards what your profession is going to be, uh, which brings us into the, the fourth one, which is functional emotional fitness. So this is kind of intertwined with functional spiritual fitness, but I'll save that one for last. Functional emotional fitness is understanding the power of your subconscious and how you can move yourself towards your objectives or you can hold yourself back. And we all do it. When you leave the military, it becomes classic because you have trouble getting a job or you start falling into a relationship problem or you have trouble not drinking because it helps you go to sleep. You want to do different things. You don't want to get into an argument. You want to have a good job. You don't want to drink. But because you don't get the job or you're in an argument with your spouse or your loved one or because you drink, then your mind starts working negative on yourself. So let's use the alcohol thing. So I, I am not going to drink. I'm never going to drink again because I had a bad experience and it makes me a bad person, so I'm not going to drink again. And then Saturday night comes along and somebody say, let's go, let's go out. Well, you end up at a bar, you have a drink, and now you're like... I am the biggest loser in the world. Why did I have that drink? I, I'm so weak. I, I said I wasn't going to do it, and then I did. And if your internal self-talk is, why can't I? Why don't I? Why didn't I? What's the first answer? What's the first word to that answer? If I, if I say to myself, why can't I stop drinking? What's the first word to the answer? There's only one answer. It's because. Mm -hmm. 
the first word is because. Because you're weak. Because you have PTSD and you need it to sleep. Because that gives you an excuse and a reason to continue the behavior that you don't want to continue. Whether it's losing weight, stopping smoke, and having a better relationship, all of those things. Your subconscious will throw up these roadblocks to yourself. When, when you are in the military, you don't have to tell your subconscious what to do to be successful because you're told it all the time, right? You've got to score this on a PT test. You have to have this weight. You have to be able to do this task list. You, you know what it is your subconscious is like, I'm going to study for the expert infantryman's badge test. I'm going to do this. I'm going to... So you're always pushing towards it. You take all that away and you lose your purpose and now I'm just trying to find a job and you know maybe have a family but I really don't know what my purpose is and, and I'd really like to stop drinking but I can't because I'm weak. right? So you, you work yourself into this little spiral that makes it okay to continue the behaviors that you don't want and 10 years from now you're still continuing the behaviors you don't want but now your life problems have gotten a lot worse. So understanding that to begin with and then going into some drills about mental visualization. What does my life look like if, if everything in my life is perfect? What does that look like? And then can you start doing some things to move yourself towards that objective of what your ultimate life looks like? There's four areas that we talk about within the functional emotional fitness, and that's love, health, wealth, and self-image. So what is the most important thing you absolutely must accomplish in the area of love? Right? And when I started learning this and, and taking the training myself, it was, I need to be a better spouse to my wife. Right? I, I need to show her how much I appreciate what she does because if she didn't have this great job, I couldn't do what I, would, what I do now because I have the luxury, I have the ability to not have to go out and make a big salary to make a house payment because my wife handles that for us. So when she's traveling and she comes home, I don't want to bitch at her because she left stuff on the floor of the bedroom as she's unpacking her suitcases, right? But I can make her life miserable when she's home because now it's interfering with my routine. So i got to look at that and go, no, wait, what, what do I really want to accomplish here? Well, I want to make her life easier because she enables my ability to help veterans. So I'm going to go pick her stuff up and I'm not going to complain about it or I'm going to do something that is going to help her understand how much I value what she does, right? So it, yeah. you start changing your mentality. I, one of the veterans that I worked with not too long ago, uh, when I said, you tell me what's the one thing you absolutely must do in the area of love? And he said, I must get my wife to understand me better. I said, <laughs> yeah, let's, <clears throat> let's, let's back up here a little bit and let's work on things you can control. Yeah. Right. So what can you can can you control how she understands you? No. Can you control how she speaks to you? No. You can control how you speak to her and the things that you do. So now you now, understand that's her. right. So yeah. now we got to start focusing on that. And if you focus on that, then the other things can fall into place. Uh, somebody had told me, you know, you, you get somebody that uh, falls into the trap of having an affair, and they, they're married for a period of time, and then all of a sudden there's this bright shiny object out there that they're lavishing all this attention and all their thoughts and all this stuff is going there and then this thing over here is looking dim and dull and you know, I don't want this anymore I want to go for that and if if you were only to take the effort that you put in that and move it over here then what would your life be like what what how I mean because that's not gonna fix stuff right so 
without going too deep into that, but it's, it's kind of that philosophy. You control the things that you can control, and then those things that are around you will start to change. And it's miraculous how when you become a better you, how people start reacting to you becomes different, right? Exactly. Because if you're not a nasty, mean person anymore, then they're not going to reflect that stuff back at you. So, so that's a huge part of the functional emotional fitness side. And, and I'll take a veteran. We're going to do Sunday afternoon here. We're going to do, I think we've got about 30 or 35 veterans that have signed up to participate in coaching with me and Bryce because Bryce is also a certified coach. We're going to go through this. The, it's a four-hour block of instruction that we're going to make them do some self-searching and, and some visualization and come up with things they want in love, health, wealth, and self-image. And when I take veterans through this, when I take anybody through this, because it's not just a veteran thing, it's an everybody this thing. Is a, this is right? a human. It's right. a human thing. Yeah. When, when I take them through it and we start off, and the reason we started doing this 25-question checklist is because the functional emotional fitness coaching we do, the Burris Institute, where we got it from, they do their own version of this, but it only focuses on the emotional side. So we expanded it to the other four areas. But when I take a veteran and I have them take this, this emotional checklist, it talks about anger, it talks about uh, relationships, it talks about love for others and self-blame. And they'll go in there and they'll score from a 1 to 10 with 1 being not at all, with 10 being a whole bunch. And I'll get answers in there that wherever they are, the first time doesn't matter, right? Because whether they blame themselves and they're a 5 or a 7 or what, doesn't matter. But after we go through the coaching and we go back and we say, okay, now I want you to take it again. And they do it again, and we see 200% improvement in self-blame and love for others and all of these things. And it's, and it's as simple as, let me pull the shade back from your eye for a minute and let you see something. Because it happens up here. And, and, and the light bulb for most people goes off in their head, mm-hmm. and, and all of a sudden they start making different choices. They live differently, and if they stick with it, then their life starts to change. If they don't stick with it, they're going to fall back into the old things. So uh, the last one is functional spiritual fitness. Right, and that's not are you Christian, Buddhist, Hindu? It has nothing it, to do with that. It, it does. It's it's not religion, mm-hmm. right? It's spiritual, and it's do you have a purpose? Do you live with a sense of love? I um, in uh, March this last year, one of my wife's work friends is from India, and she was getting married, and she said, "You get to India, everything else is on us." Because the wow. An Indian wedding is, if you ever get the opportunity to go to India to a wedding, you got to go to India to a wedding because it is <laughs> the pictures were unbelievable. Great. <laughs> and, and they don't drink there. They don't. I wanted a beer, and the guy was like, where do I find a beer? And he had to, like, search for two hours to find a six-pack, and he was so happy that he brought me a warm six-pack of beer. <laughs> that was so but, nice. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely, it was awesome. But but so when, when we got... When I got off the plane and I went into customs, the customs agent goes, namaste. When you get to your cab driver, he's, namaste, get in the cab. You get to the hotel, namaste, right? The waiters, namaste, the people we met, namaste. And, and so you're kind of like, I guess I'll say namaste back. I really don't know because I always did that at yoga class, so I thought that meant yoga is over. And uh, <laughs> so you're trying. So after I saw this go on, I thought, so what does this mean? Uh-huh. And so, and I asked one of the one of the guys that was with us. I said, "What does Namaste mean?" And he said, "In the deepest Hindu faith, the literal translation is uh, the divine in me acknowledges the divine in you, and they believe that the heart chakra. So when you do that and you say Namaste, it connects your heart to the other person, 
in a holy way. And if, if nothing else, if you look at somebody before you start talking to them and you say the divine in me acknowledges the divine in you, your interaction is probably going to be a little different than if you go into that interaction thinking, this son of a bitch, you know, we're going to talk about this, <laughs> this thing from work and, and, no, and, and yeah. I'm pissed off. But if you Negative. go in, the, the divine in me acknowledges the divine in you, now let's talk about this work thing, it's going to be a different interaction, right? And, and so that's the, the spirit side is you, you've got to have a sense of purpose and you've got to learn to live in an attitude of love with other people. And, and that's not a sexual love. It's a, it's a holistic, it's a person, you know, it's the namaste type love. So, so you know I'm traveling. Have I completely confused you with all oh, of no, that? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, 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 well, let me, let, me, let me throw something out here because I want you to answer this. Yeah. I, because I think this is important. I'm traveling around the country. I'm all, I'm all over the place. I talk to people of all ages of all different walks of faith and ideals. Um, some are veterans, some are the children's and children's children of veterans. Mm -hmm. Some are uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces. And one thing I keep running into, there's a whole group of people that are like, ah, like they'd have heard that. And they'd be like, oh my goodness, Carl, man, it's more, you're the man. You're just trying to tell us what to do. You're trying to push us. What's that about? So, well, I haven't I haven't heard that. No, no, but I mean, like, no, no, they wouldn't say that to you. But let me be clarify yeah. it even better, because that's right. I'm not I'm not being real clear. They want something they're not getting. Right. They want a nice house. They yeah. want money in the bank. Yeah. They want to be able to go down to the club and actually spend a couple of dollars that they don't have to run through a credit card. Uh -huh. They want to wear some nice clothes. They want to actually be in a relationship that's real. Mm -hmm. They want to have friends that they can trust. They want somebody to value them. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't just think and happen. No, no, not at all. You have no. to learn. You have to invest no. in yourself. And I right. think, and that's what I mean. It, it, what is this? Is this an invest in yourself thing? I guess that's, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know how to say well, it. Well, look back to the, other the, internal, the internal questions that I was just talking about. Because you have somebody like that that, they want to go down to the club, like you said, and not have to use their credit card. But they have to use their credit card if they want to go to the club because they just don't have any money, which, without going too far into that, is just going to make that problem worse down the road. Oh, yeah. But, but what do they say? Why can't I get any cash? Well, it's because the man is holding me down, or it's because I didn't get an education, and so I can only work a job that pays twelve fifty an hour, or it's because whatever it is, there's a reason why they can't go lay down $50 to have a nice dinner with their loved one, right? So, so they're in, inside their head, they're probably saying, why can't I, why didn't I, why don't I, instead of what do I need to do to get to the point where I can lay down yeah. $50 for because dinner. I guess and that's exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to. Mm -hmm. To get to where we, like for a long time, I funded everything we're doing, mm -hmm. that, I, that me and Kate are doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I paid for it. And then a couple of veterans would hand me money and say, go see so-and-so. And I would go see so-and-so. And I do it on less money than most people. I, I mean, like, I make less, I have less money coming in than most people on welfare have. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe that's not all true. But it's, it's real close. I mean, yeah. we're talking like about 20000 a year. We're doing a lot. Yeah. And I started thinking about, how can I do this? It's nothing more than education. I had to sit down and learn how to budget. 
-hmm. I had to sit down and learn how to have a communication with my wife about how we function. I had to figure out how the rest of the world hears mm -hmm. me. Like just just now, I, I I had an idea in my head. I said it to you. You looked at me like, huh? <laughs> and and instead of going like, well, he doesn't get it. Wham. Uh, or I'm leaving. I have to be able to rephrase. Mm -hmm. and I have to be able to rethink. But I had to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. Like I had to learn how to run this little thing. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to. And it was education. And it, and sometimes it's pretty humbling to do education because it's all of a sudden it's recognizing there's something in me. There's this hole in me mm -hmm. that I want to fill, mm -hmm. or I want to change. I want to become something. And it, and at times. We want to push away from that. Like when we come out of the military, I've heard this a lot. Well, you guys get out of the military, the first thing you do is grow your hair out. All, and, and I did. I had hair mm -hmm. down past my collar and big old goatee at one point. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But it, it does. It seems like a lot of us get out of the military and we, like, we go wild for just a minute. But we're looking for something that's real. And that's what I, I loved about Gallant Few is ever since I've met you, you've been real. Like the stuff that you're talking about isn't BS. I mean, this is how you got to live in, in an, I mean, this is how I got to live in a brick house. I think we're one of the first people in my family that is not, you know, that I, we bought a house. <laughs> it's a real house, you know? Mm -hmm. I got my truck, I paid for my truck. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't just happen. No. None of that. No, you just have to take happened. responsibility for it. Yeah, I get uh, I get veterans that call me a lot that um, they can't pay their bills, right? So well, I had had one not too long ago that <clears throat> came and posted something that said, "Hey, I I, uh, I need help paying my bills this month because I'm short." Well, we're not an organization that says, "Okay." How much money do you need, right? So, so what what we do is we say, here's a spreadsheet. I want you to input your income. I want you to list all your bills, and I want you to do it by date, so we know what your cash flow is. And I want you to do it for the next three months. And then, when you do that, then let's talk, right? But at that point, somebody, a lot of people are like, no thanks. And that's that whole. Well, okay, so oh, so how serious was your issue to begin with? Is is one thing. So it's kind of like a little litmus test. Are you willing to to go through that process? The second thing, though, is I want to know how did you get here? Why can you not pay your bills this month? Because I don't want you coming to me 30 days from now. If we help you out and give you $500 because you have a legitimate problem, Crisis. something yeah. happened. Because it happens, right? And and now you you're gonna I don't know your phone's gonna get shut off because you've been out of work for a couple of months and you got to get your phone. So so I want to know why is your phone getting shut off? So we're gonna talk through all of that. Oh, it's because you've been out of work. Oh well, let's okay. Let's make sure your phone stays on. So I'll, we have prepaid veterans phone bills for six months, so I don't have to worry about that for the next six months. Give me your Verizon account. I'm going to log in. You can change the password when I'm done, but I'm going to pay forward, and then you you use that you know until it runs out. But that way, you can get a call back for a job interview. Now, let's talk about what are the rest of your spending habits. Why did you get here? We had 
one uh, not too long ago that contacted us that said, need help paying my bills this month, I'm short. Sent, sent a thing, okay, well, here's the process. Get, go get checked in with us, and we'll take you through our, our intake interview. And uh, I'm going to just go search Facebook for this person's name. You can learn a lot of things by looking at somebody's mm -hmm. Facebook page, even if you're not friends with them. Mm -hmm. So somebody went to a big event last week and, and showed the tickets and the, the thing that they were at clearly was not an inexpensive event to go to. And now you're coming and asking for money to help with your bills when you just treated yourself to this really nice thing last week, right? So some of that happens. So we're diligent in making sure that we know who's coming to us, what's going on. But, but when we have somebody that has a, a legitimate issue, and there are some veterans that they go for years because they didn't get their education right, because they've drunk, because the VA screwed them around, because they have they got divorced, because and now they're they're living on not enough money to just barely pay their bills, and they can't even think about going to a movie because they just they don't have the money, and they yeah. don't have a, any credit, so they don't have a credit card, so they're just kind of getting by. They don't even have a Netflix account. And then and then a tire blows on their truck, and. And it's two hundred fifty dollars to replace the tire, and the other three are going to go shortly. And how, you know, maybe they're one hundred percent disabled, and so their income is pretty fixed. And so, so when you get into that situation, then you really have to unpack what's going on, and you have to find out what where is it appropriate to apply an immediate fix. But then, how can we do things so that that doesn't happen again three months from now when your alternator goes out? You know, what can we do to start helping you? whether it's find more income, whether it's helping to figure out a way to save a little bit more money, something's got to happen because, you know, household incomes is either you make more money or you spend less money. It's, that's it. It's pretty that, simple. That's one or the other. And, and if you're not making more money and you're not spending less money, then you're heading towards a disaster at some point. And there's a lot of people that are going down that disaster road. Well, and what gets me is that your organization is not – now, we've known each other two years – I think so, probably. Two years. Yeah. And, and I'm a skeptical guy. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I just am. I've seen too many people just not be who they I thought they were or they present themselves in a certain light, and then you start going, hmm, they're, these are takers mm -hmm. rather than givers. Mm -hmm. And one thing I... That. There's a lot of that going on. And one thing, and, and you know, it's great because, you know, the, the nation's concerned about 22 a day. And we're concerned about homeless vets. We don't talk about the fact that there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of veteran-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. We focus on the negative so much. Mm -hmm. But what I love about Gallant Few is that, especially in this type of situation, you guys and, and gals, the whole group, because mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of women in this organization, mm -hmm. and, and you're taking people and saying, hang on a second, every single one of you has value and worth and if you want to grow, no matter what your economic status is, no matter where your education is, we will help you grow and reach your fullest potential. And it doesn't mean we come to you and we're going to become, you know, the next guy walking on the moon. Well, and we're not, we're not going to fix somebody, but we can... Help them, can, help yeah, themselves. I, one of the most emotional and meaningful conversations that I ever had with a veteran was a kid that uh, was a National Guard activated 
guy that drove a truck for a Marine Corps unit and ended up getting two Navy Achievement Medals with V device. As a National Guard kid driving a truck in a Marine Corps unit and he got decorated twice for valor, badass, right? Oh, that's I mean, some kind of like, that doesn't happen, folks. That doesn't happen, right. And, but he got blown up several times. The last time was severe enough that he had so many injuries that now he's had two hip replacements. His back has had, got rods and pins and he's got a traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress and he's got all of these, all of these things that are all stacked up on him. <clears throat> and, and he, somebody referred him to me because he was thinking about ending his life. And he was divorced, and his caregiver was jacking his money around, and his kids just having problems, and, and it was just all piled up on him. And, and I'm, I'm on the phone with him, and I had to, first I had to teach him boundaries, right? Because he would call me, and he'd want to talk for two hours. And I'd say, dude, I, I'm sorry, I have something I have to do. So you got five minutes, <laughs> yeah. right? And no, at first he got offended. This is real important. He got offended at me because I'm not being caring to him. I'm like, no, I, I want you, I'll be as respectful of you as you are of me. Yeah. And you got to understand I have a life too. And I talk to a lot more veterans than just you. So, yes, you, you know, I am I am not here to inherit your issues, right? So let's get that clear up front. But as, as we got talking on, he said, you don't understand. A VA told me I'm broken. He said, I got a letter right here from the VA that says that I'm broken. The doctor, quote, says, this veteran is broken. And I said, who the F are, are the, is anybody to tell you that you're broken? Who decides if you're broken? Long moment of silence. Mm -hmm. Who decides if you're broken? He's like, well, I guess I do. Damn straight you do. You decide yes. if you're broken or not, right? Nobody outside of you, you're the guy that got two valor medals you're the guy that kicked ass in combat you so yeah your body hurts you've been through a lot but you decide whether or not you're broken or not and you know and, just it i hate to interrupt but i want to interrupt real quick to, because otherwise i'm going to miss this point no matter where you were no matter where you were no matter how great you were at one moment you can fall down you can stumble. You can take a tumble. You can get into dark places. Life can suck bad. But you don't have to stay there. Right. I mean, that's what you're telling me right, right. now, right? Right. But a lot of people choose to stay there. They do, and it's a choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I can tell you, you know, I'm not diagnosed with depression or anything like that, but there, that is something that runs in my family. And I could probably make the case that to a doctor to say, yeah, you know, you, you have this as a condition, but I, I, I don't accept that for myself. But I can tell you that the times that I get depressed, it feels really good to stay there. It just, there's something about it that's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody to come make me feel better. I don't, I just want, just leave me the hell alone. And, and I have to, I, I could stay there for a long period of time. But I have, I, I know myself, and I know that I feel that way. And I also know that if, when I feel that way, if I go get on my bike and go on a half-hour bike ride, I'm going to feel way better when I'm done. I'm going to be in a good mood, right? If I go do indoor rock climbing for a little while, if, if I do something active to get me out of it, 
mostly outdoor type stuff, then it's going to make that go away. But man, when you're in it, it feels really good to stay there. Well, but it feels better to get out of it. It does. And, and I have PTSD. Mm -hmm. So, like, I am diagnosed with this crap. And it's there. Mm -hmm. It's just part of life. Mm -hmm. So, not only do I recognize the signs and the triggers, and I go to some training, and I've got a group of friends in my group that call me up while I'm on the road. I've got my, this lovely wife of mine who's like, hey, you're acting out. <laughs> and, and when I'm acting out, I do want to stay there. Yeah, it's weird. And sometimes yeah. the hardest thing in the world is to get off my ass and walk outside mm -hmm. and let the sunlight mm -hmm. touch my skin. It, it's hard mm -hmm. because whether or not how you get there, wallowing in our own crap and self-pity, like just look at the news. I mean, all the major networks revel in it. They're pushing, and it turns into fear, mm -hmm. and then you never move. You get people get static, and they get stuck, and they're looking for somebody else to rescue them. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe this guy will rescue us, or maybe like, we had a whole election thing coming up, and everybody's worried about it. It's horse crap. Find the people that'll help you get off your ass and do something. I mean, right. that's, that's I mean, yeah. and that's what I hear you saying, and and that's what I've watched you do. I mean, Carl, I've watched. You know, some of it's on Facebook because we live a few hundred miles away right, from right. each other. But that's what you've done over and over and over. And that's what this event right here is about. It's about right. people coming together and saying, hey, I want to find myself, a better version of myself. That and there's, that's part of it, but there's two other significant parts to it. And one is, you know, when, when a person leaves the military, when you're in the military, you're expected to strive to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, that's from the, the goal. From the small from the squad very beginning, all the way up to the general. That's right. Yes. Then when you leave the military, who says, you better damn well be a leader when you get back home? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> ain't nobody. Right? Yeah. I, I don't care if you lead a Cub Scout group or if you lead a church group or if you are active on your town planning and zoning commission. You are going to get out and be a leader somewhere in your community. And if you're going to be a good leader, look at your community and identify something that isn't right. Whether it's the trash, whether it's the way that veterans are welcomed home, whether it's you name it, right? There's something in your community. You can go outside and you can look and you go, that's not right. Mm -hmm. Who's going to fix it? You have to fix it. Then it becomes something that can help provide you a sense of purpose. So understanding that developing a sense of purpose, nobody's gonna come, the, the purpose bird is not gonna come take a big purpose poop on your head and say, here's your purpose today, right? That's I not, that. that's that's not that's gonna happen. Such a, you have, that's so beautiful though, because people are looking for that. They're yeah. looking for the purpose bird. Well, but, but when you're in the military, the purpose bird poops on you every day, and it's yes. a squad leader that's saying, here's your purpose today, you're gonna go, right? No, it's true, so, it's absolutely true. But, but then when you're out, you have to create your own purpose, and you have to be a leader in your community, and you have to take, and when I say you, I mean you, have to take the responsibility of yourself to go out, find what's going on in your community, and if you've been out for a while and you haven't done it, it's going to be really hard, because people are going to look at you like, well, that's that grumpy old person that the only thing they ever do is bitch on Facebook about the election or the whatever, mm -hmm. and, and now they want to help fix up the basketball court for the kids that want to play basketball, you know, what's... 
what's going on here. But when, when you leave the military and you come back to your community, start finding out, hey, what are there veterans here? What do you guys do? What, are there veterans that are struggling in this community? We started the local Metroport Veteran Association here, which is a little veteran, mostly breakfast group that gets together once a month. And one of the organizers of that is going to speak at the luncheon tomorrow about how he is an Air Force veteran in Vietnam. But, uh, you know, how, how, why did you start doing this? And he's going to say part of it's because I kicked his butt to make him do it. <laughs> but but he, he and I sat down when he was on the town council. He's no longer on it. And, uh, and I said, Jim, what's, what's the veteran issue in our community? And he looks at me like, do you know where we live? We live in Trophy Club, Texas. It's one of the more affluent areas of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and the average income here is $300,000 or whatever it is, right? It's a very affluent area. I don't have, well, I have homeless veterans or unemployed veterans, or you know, we don't have that. And I said, you can't think of one. He's like, nope. And I said, why don't you think about your friends? Any of them have kids that are veterans? And he went, Bing, 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 bing. Oh, yeah, this one's looking for a job. This one hasn't been out of the basement in a month. This one, it's like oh, so we McFly, yeah. you know, hello. Yeah. So, okay, Mr. Town Councilman, what are you doing about this problem in our community? And he's like, oh. <laughs> so, but it's, it's understand, it's, it's having an eye-opening experience to say what's really going on in our community, and then somebody's got to be the leader to step up and do something about it. And nobody right now I mean, there's one of the things we're working very closely with the uh, with active duty rangers, and and one of the charges as they transition out is, we talked earlier, right? Ranger for life. You you are a ranger for life, but you can't ranger for life. No, but you can be a ranger leader for life. So you get back to your community. There's an expectation that all of the you've been exposed to the greatest leaders, the the techniques and management and time management and planning. In decision making, all the country has invested millions of dollars into making you the soldier, the warrior that you are. And now, when you go home to you name the town, Kansas or wherever, the country doesn't expect any return on that. I say that's wrong, right? There, you don't stop serving when you go back home to wherever it is. I don't care if you're working on a farm or working in a in a cell phone store or teaching at a school, you become a leader there and, and you take the things, the principles that you have learned and you apply that in your community and make it a better place. Well, doesn't it make sense that to look at yourself and to, to be honest to look at yourself mm -hmm. means that you're not going to become selfish. You're going to look outward to others mm -hmm. because that's true connection. Right. And so there's, if, if the whole... Some people have to learn that. Well, I think we all, I think I have to learn it sometimes. Like sometimes I'm, I just, I miss the fact that there is an opportunity to care for other people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's like every little thing that you've come along and learned from the time you were a kid might just have some value to somebody else somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can just, maybe it's the kind of leader that just goes out and encourages other leaders all day long. Or does things like you said, like, hey, what are we doing? Because mm -hmm. if we're not asking questions, if we point the finger and say, hey, you ain't doing shit, <laughs> it's a whole lot different than right. if you're saying, so what are we doing? Right. 
And the, the both of them do the exact same things, but one of them does it where you not only challenge the other person, but you begin to empower right. the other person, and then you find yourself. Yeah, you grow yourself. Ooh, I'm, I'm a leader in this area. I've mm -hmm. asked the question. Mm -hmm. but, but you have to be involved. So you said there was two other things. Yeah, I, I knew missed. you were going to come back to that because I was trying to think of what the other thing was that I was saying. So we, we, we want people to, to leave here with a greater understanding of themselves mm -hmm. and, and uh, kind of a scratch the surface on this is, this is somewhere that I can go that I can learn to be a better person to move myself more quickly towards my objectives, whatever that may be. The other one is to be a leader in your community. And I think the third one is giving them ideas and resources on how to organize veterans when they get back to their community. So one of the things that uh, the, the panel is going to talk about at lunch tomorrow is how do you start something in your community? There's, there's two. I wasn't able to get one of the speakers here that I wanted to because I just got connected to this group uh, about a month ago. But there's a group here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that was started by some American Airline veterans who are pilots. And it's called 100 Vets Who Give a Damn. And they get together once a quarter. And there's 100 veterans that come. Actually, I think there were like 120, the one that I went to. <laughs> but they, they, they aim to get 100. And they invite three veteran nonprofits to come in and talk to them. And the one that I went to, the Travis Mannion Foundation, was one. There was uh, an, uh, a guy, and I can't remember the name of his little organization now, but he's a Marine Corps veteran who noticed that um, he went to some funerals of some veterans and he saw the canned pretend bugle that somebody was holding up and then hitting the button to play. And he's like, it breaks we, can't, chaplain heart. we can't even have a, a real bugle or play tap. So he created an organization to raise money to then give scholarships to high school kids to give music lessons to, to learn, learn to, play, to taps. play the trumpet so they can play taps and then encourage them to go. So, I mean, this is he sees wow. a problem, he goes and he, he does something about it. And the third one was another Marine Corps veteran who had, um, he put together an outdoor kind of therapy thing where he takes, he takes some veterans there all the way on the other side of the Metroplex from here. And uh, the name, as soon as we get done with this, the name will pop into my head as to what the organization <laughs> is. Um, but but uh, he saw a need, he started organizing, and, and so has he, each one of these veterans got three minutes to stand up in front of these hundred veterans, we're all in this kind of auditorium style amphitheater thing. They got three minutes, might have been five, I think it was three minutes, to plead their case. This is what we do, this is why you should give me a hundred bucks. Because a hundred veterans, each one says, they, they get one vote. And a vote costs 100 bucks, right? So which one do I like best? Who did the best presentation? I'm going to give you my vote, which is $100. So, so you have 100 veterans. That, that, so what happens is every, they, they, uh, everybody gets a vote, and you vote for the one you like. And so they go tabulate all the votes. And the winning vote, everybody in the room writes a $100 check to the winning organization, wow. right? So guaranteed. $10,000 if there's 100 vets in the room. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of the veterans that were there were affluent people, and so they wrote $300 checks. So each one of the organizations got something. Got something. Yeah, I, I don't know what the other two got, but they, they do it once a quarter. 
and they make when, when you're a small organization I can tell you well think about the size of your organization if somebody said hey here's ten thousand dollars what would you do with ten thousand it would be a game-changing experience for you to get a ten thousand dollar donation and if you're one of the huge organizations a ten thousand dollar donation they might not even send a thank you note for it I got a five thousand right? dollar donation in May and, and it did it, yeah. it changed things right? a little bit yeah for sure I yeah, mean I, I spent it in gas but so <laughs> yeah, because you were able to get out and, and talk to more veterans. So you that's that's um, that's an example of somebody came up with the idea. Somebody said, "Hey, we can make a difference if we do this." They had to go invite ninety nine other veterans to come and get them to commit to writing a hundred dollar check, right? So it's not an easy thing to do, but they did this. And so I wanted to get one of the organizers to come be on the panel tomorrow, so people could sit, so he could, we. Could, kind of talk about what they do because now more veterans will maybe go participate and not 200 veterans that give a damn. Right. But they, um, why, who I'll came up that. with the idea? I'll why did you do this? How did you get started? How did you grow it? Right? So there are people in the audience that want to know that. The gem that from Trophy Club that's going to be there that helped get Metropolitan Veteran Association the veteran breakfast started. Why do you do this? What, what do you hope to accomplish? What, how do, how, what would you recommend if I live in New York City and I want to start a veteran breakfast, where should I start, right? So, so we want to, um, we want to encourage, we want to motivate, we want to challenge people to learn. Here's people that have done some things. When you go back to your community, you're expected to be a leader, you're expected to identify problem, and now here's some examples that might be able to help you put something in place that can address what you see. I, I see this pattern. You keep telling me about, you're telling us, you're telling us about people. Well, I guess I, I keep I keep pulling up the camera and turning on the thing too with people mm -hmm. who see something mm -hmm. and do something. They see something in themselves and make a change. They see something in others and they offer to encourage. I'll never forget I was uh, with some guys and they said, "You don't say that you're helping veterans. You say you're helping veterans help themselves." Mm -hmm. And how do you help yourself? How do I help myself? Yeah. I rock climb. I ride my bike. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I schedule date nights with my wife when she's in town. Um, I, uh, my mom gives me a hard time because you know, I used to be real active in a, in a large church when I lived in Wichita, Kansas. And, and now I'm not an active member of a large, like I go to a church to worship. So to her, that's bad. Like, this is my ministry. This is, you know, I put my heart and soul into this. So You're when Sunday morning comes around, I want to get on my bike and ride for two hours, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to go sit in a pew somewhere. And, and I mean, my, that's, it's different. So um, when I look at what I do for myself, it's things, for me, it's athletic things. It's things that I can get out and I can do. Well, you're part of Ed Church. That's a pretty large church. We exactly, uh, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, we're we're running. It's not. Like, it's not a. What I've learned as I've gained in age and wisdom, is that is that worship isn't encompassed by four walls. No, it's not. Right, and and I, I got to tell you, I may have told you this before. Uh, I met I met a guy that was from India or someplace, like maybe fifteen or twenty years ago. And I had, I had heard about him. This was in Kansas. He had started a, an organization that helped plant trees around the world. And I thought that's that's so fascinating. I just I'm going to call up their office. I'm going to set a half an hour. I want just want to go sit with him and 
and say like, why? What? How did you do this? And what? I just wanted to, you know. And there are people out there you can do that with. You, you admire somebody, you want to learn more about them. They're human. They'll, they're flattered when you want to go talk to them. So I sit down in front of this guy, and uh, and of course, being from India, he had the Indian accent, which I I can't replicate very well. But within the first thirty seconds or a minute of sitting down, he kind of interrupts me. He says, "Mr. Carl, let me ask you a question." When was the last time you worshipped? And I went, well, last Sunday I played golf with a buddy, and the Sunday before that I think we were, I was doing something, and you know, so he sees me doing the mental math, and he goes, I didn't ask you the last time you went to church, so I asked you the last time you worshipped. And then he went on to educate me that worship is breathing, it's looking at somebody else, another human, and identifying with them and connecting with them, and and it's it's just taking a moment to look outside and go, how does a tree be a tree, right? It's just it's being it's having connection. It's 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 not defined by where I go at nine fifteen on Sunday exactly. morning. And that was something that was extremely extremely profound for for me. And then and there was another thing that I that I read that further shaped kind of my my own personal belief system. And, uh, and it has to do with, with forgiveness and God. And, and the, I believe the book's called A Case for God. I don't know if you've ever read A Case for God. But this... Um, that sounds familiar. The author, the author said... So, so people say that you know, God's all-powerful, can do anything. And then you say somebody who, who may be very upright or uptight in their belief system... And you say, was Hitler a bad person? Oh, yeah, Hitler is like the worst person ever. Did God forgive Hitler? How could God forgive Hitler? Well, if God's all-powerful, right, God can forgive Hitler. It's a hard concept for us to get, right? But But the possibility. The possibility is if if Hitler were to approach God and, and for real seek forgiveness, then he went on to say that, Forgiveness, especially as Jesus talked about it, the Bible is a gift, right? You can't earn a gift. A gift is given to you, right? You can accept a gift or you can decline a gift, but you can't earn a gift. So in that case, he says Hitler is already forgiven. He just has to accept it. So now you get into these concepts where your mind is just absolutely going to blow up. But the second part of that was... So, in this uh, a conversation I asked my mom when I was young, you know, so if, if Jewish people don't believe in Jesus, then are they going to hell? Well, they have to believe in Jesus to go to hell. So, Hitler says he's a Christian, asks for forgiveness, goes to heaven, the Jews he killed go to hell? That doesn't, Make any that doesn't fit with my concept of forgiveness and, and the gift of everlasting life so so my belief system is has changed to to the point where i believe that every person the gift of forgiveness is there you have to accept it you can accept it or you can decline it it's kind of like being in that funk when you're in that you just don't want to come out of it right but if you go out there and just see the sunlight everything changes and gets better but you don't want to go out there i i Maybe oversimplifying it, but to me, that's 
that, that probably comes closer to my internal belief system than anything else. What do you do? I, I've been working with this for a while, my own concepts here. The idea, people, they do something, anything. Mm -hmm. It's not good. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we, I get stuck on good and bad. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to see ontological value for the most part. Google it if you don't know the word ontological. But I'm trying to find this value. And, and people say, well, I did something wrong. Okay. So why was it wrong? Well, I decided it's wrong. Okay, so you've mm -hmm. decided you've done something wrong. Then you've asked for forgiveness. Or maybe the group around you is like, man, that's just wrong. It don't work. Mm -hmm. So you ask for forgiveness. But restoration, mm -hmm. you can't just walk back into the where you were. Right. What I mean, as you see this, I, I see, I'm really struggling with some of this because I, mm -hmm. I, I work with people that sometimes are struggling. Mm -hmm. And I can't say to them, Hey, anything but time is going to build that restoration. And it right. takes real time. I mean, it's not a couple of days or a couple of weeks sometimes to walk back in. I mean, if you, if you do an act or a deed, even if you're repentant, sometimes the consequences are further reaching mm -hmm. than the immediate forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, but I think there's two, you're talking two different levels of forgiveness because if you're talking about God, that's oh yeah, I'm not talking right? about God. So I'm talking, talking about, about interrelations on on yeah on the on the planet. So all that you can control is what's within you. So if you've gone and you've done something terrible, you've offended or hurt somebody or something, you can't ask them for forgiveness. But the only thing that you can control is you. So there's a. There's a, a veteran that oh, I don't want to talk too too many details about folks that I work with, but uh, I think I can tell a few details about this without giving it away. But uh, because the the problem is common, so it is. It's a it's a well, but but this one veteran has combat experiences, comes back emotionally detached, withdrawn, uh, doesn't want to go seek help because he's too strong to do that, doesn't want to admit he has a problem, so he's drinking heavily, <clears throat> gets violently angry when he's drinking, scares his wife to death, they have a kid, and, uh, and gets to the point, at some point where she has said something about you know, his behavior is not acceptable or something, and so he's like, well, I'll just kill myself then, so he puts a gun to his head. And, and he doesn't do it, but through that process, she calls a family member who calls the police, sheriff SWAT surrounds the house, finally get it de-escalated, and then parents come pick her up, take the kid, gone. So now he's being served with divorce papers, you know, so just everything. The spiral. Yeah, everything is like I should have just gone ahead and killed myself then because my life is over now. Um, well, you experience some terrible things. You have some experiences that you need help with, but you have to own your own actions too, right? Mm -hmm. So, but the only thing that you can control right now is what you do in the next minute, the next hour, the next day. And you can't convince her 
an hour from now that everything's changed and it's all gone and you're better, right? The only thing that you can do is control what you drink, what you think, what you do from now on. And if she never comes back, you can, all you can control is what's within you, right? So now you gotta get yourself right and you have to do everything that you can to get yourself right. And you have to find the resources and understand what that might mean. And for every person in their situation, it's probably gonna be a little bit different. But you're not gonna, okay, forgive me, come back, move back into the house, you know, let's pretend like none of that stuff happened. He, he may never reconcile that relationship. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Well, it's, so. it's, it's interesting that you bring up this relationship thing. Because that, I mean, it's good Common. lands. I can think yeah. of folks, that's, I mean, like, that's almost their story right there. Yeah. Yet, you can shift that paradigm just a little bit and say you went out and spent all your money and you got into the bad habit of running stuff on a credit mm -hmm. card. Mm -hmm. It's almost the exact same thing over and over and over and over. And, and when I hear you say it, I mean, it's, it sounds much better than when I say it. For some reason, maybe it's just me, you know, like maybe it's, it's because it goes back to that personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And personal responsibility isn't easy. No. And, it, and it's almost, I feel like my personal responsibility gets better when I humble myself a little bit and say, I need some help. I'm like, I, I need somebody to come up to me and say, that doesn't look good. Right. <laughs> Maybe you should consider this. But to have my ears open to be able to even hear that mm -hmm. isn't always easy either. Oh. Yeah, yeah, to, to put it in terms maybe some military people understand you're in an ambush and the guys to your left and right are shot you don't just put your head down and say I'm not going to ask for help I'll get through this right you're on the radio you're popping smoke you're calling in all the reinforcements you can possibly get so that you can survive and, and get better and come back and kick the enemy's butt next time right yeah but when you're fighting with alcohol or anger or money or things like that, put your head down. You're like, oh, I'll get through this. And you're not saying, hey, I need some help over here. And, 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 and that's the tendency that I would go to. Right. Put my, I mean, when I was sitting on the couch for three years, only only Dave Peters, I think, is the guy that I really, the guy that ran, mm -hmm. that started the Episcopal Veterans Fellowship guy mm -hmm. down in Austin. I think he was the only guy that I like really reached out to and told, "Hey, Dave, I got a problem," mm -hmm. and it was because we worked together at Walter Reed. As he's another chaplain, you know. And I, but I, I had all kinds of people that would have helped me, mm -hmm. and, and finally did. But but what we see on Facebook is people are posting pictures of their dog, pictures of their you know politics or football or there's all this stuff for a year. And then all of a sudden at 10 o'clock at night, there's a message that says, my life is over, goodbye. Yeah, and, yeah. no, it's it's And you're like, happening. what? It looks great. Yeah. The history. And then all of a sudden, because and, and now there's 20 people trying to get a hold of them all night long, and they're drunk and passed out, or you know, if, if hopefully they're still alive. But that, they're, the whole social media thing creates, in my opinion, more problems than it solves in terms of, of veteran relationships, right? Mm -hmm. You know what your Facebook page is for? 
throw pictures of your kids and your grandkids and your puppies and rainbows and and to wish people a happy birthday right it's yeah. If, if you wouldn't go knock on somebody's door when they open their door and say it to them in person, then don't post it on the Facebook page. But that's a say that one more time for everybody. <laughs> that's really good. I like that. If you wouldn't go knock on somebody's door when they open it up, if you wouldn't say it to their face, then don't post it on Facebook. Love it. Right? Yeah. Um, there's that could go for a whole another hour. We could talk about that, but. <laughs> In that questionnaire, we could. We could. <laughs> in the questionnaire that we do, the the, the last one is uh, it has to do with stress, and the very last question is on a scale of one to ten, with one being not at all and ten being a whole bunch. Facebook stresses me out, right? If you put anything more than a one on there, then what are you thinking? Why, we, why do you keep doing it? Just drop it. Right. Exactly. There's there's people I know who call me. I'm dropping my account. I'm leaving. I'm leaving bed church. I'm getting out. I'm like, hallelujah! <laughs> it's time to roll, man. You're moving on with your life, and it, it blows. <clears throat> Let's talk real quick about that. Mm-hmm. That questionnaire. What does somebody got to do to get this questionnaire? Galfew.org. The veteran sign up button in the middle. And uh, and that's gonna we're gonna ask you for identifying information name, uh, birth date. Uh, we gotta have we gotta collect some information. We gotta have you click a little disclaimer that says because of the legal mm-hmm. folks that are out there that says we're gonna do everything that we can to help you, but we're not gonna promise you that you're gonna win the lottery or you know anything like that, right? So so you you click through that, and you provide your information, then we're gonna verify that you're a veteran. So we want to know. But we're moving towards where at some point we're going to be able to do some sort of a, an electronic verification. Right now we can't afford to do that, but maybe at some point. But so right now we ask if you still have access to a .mil email account, or now it's mil.mil or whatever it is. If you have an Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard email account, send us an email from that account and we're good. Because you wouldn't be able to send it if you weren't. Or second one is send us a copy of your 214. Blank out your social security number because I don't want that. But then, then as soon as we verify that you are who you say you are and that you're a veteran, we send you a welcome email and it's got a link to take the survey. And then you take the survey and and depending on which program you're in, if you're in the Marine Corps program, then the Marine group takes care of that. If you're in the Ranger program, the Ranger guys take care of that. If you're in any of the other part of it, if you're a tanker or you're an artillery person or a truck driver or a clerk, you get me. So I'm going to call you, I'm going to send you a calendar invite, we're going to get 15 to 30 minutes on the phone, I'm going to go over the survey with you. And uh, we're, we're getting better at the survey, so now when you take it, you can look at your results. Oh, that's cool. And we're going towards a red, amber, green. So if, you're, if you score in, well, for instance, Facebook stresses me out, if you're a 1, 2, or a 3, you're red. If you're a 4 to 7, you're amber. If you're a eight to ten, then you're green. So if you're the areas that you're red, hey, we need to talk about that right now. Mm-hmm. What changes do you need to make right now? What resources can we connect you with that will help you make those changes? The amber ones, eh, you know, maybe just you're having a bad day, but maybe you need to take a look at, at where you are so that doesn't slip red. And how can we bump it up into the green? Well, one thing I know about you, personally, know that you've taken care of 
Because, and I think it's important when you go on there and, and you start thinking, well, you see run range or run, you hear you talk about rock climbing. Man, I can't do that. I'm out of what? I'm out of shape. I can't do. But I need help. This man right here will help you. I can think of two cases of two different ladies that he's helping out. One's from the Air Force, one I served with in Afghanistan. And I don't think either one of them were doing anything running or any of that. But you run range runs not about running. And and rock climbing, we've we have a a Marine EOD veteran that is missing one leg at the hip. He's missing one arm at the at the mid part of his forearm. And his other hand, he only has those two fingers. Mm -hmm. So sometimes he's you know, going like this, and he says he's flipping you off, but you can't see because he didn't have no finger. And he's missing an eye. And, uh, and he brought his daughter in to climb because she was part of the kids' club. And we're like, you can't be that tore up that young and not be military. So we went over, and, and sure enough, he's a veteran. And so we said, Come get your gear and come climb with us. And uh, so he got got gear together. Um, and and the first couple of times it were pretty rough. But he's come back. He's been with us for maybe three months now. And he's what, there was a guy that came early that wasn't here for a couple of months and then came back last week. And he's like, holy cow! Have you seen Mark climb? He's like, he's good. And and it's. I mean, there are, there's all capability levels. So don't disqualify yourself. Because you're doing it Purely because don't you say, yeah, I'm not in good shape, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's not it. What, what the value of it is, well, first it gets you out, right? And um, it gets you around other veterans who give you a hard time. Mm -hmm. and, and that camaraderie helps. And then, oh, yeah, it is. And then about once a month, everybody that comes in rock climbs with us, I'll take them over to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we'll go grab wings. And if they I, want I've a beer, they buy their own. Time. Yeah, it was good. Good wings. Yeah, so so that you don't have to be an athlete to participate in those kind of things. Right? Well, you, you know, I, I think that's real important to bring out because mm -hmm. I've heard people say things to me, and and it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I walk. Mm -hmm. That's how I stay in. I've got those recumbent bicycles out there in a trailer. We ride when we can, and. But if you're not doing anything, you are doing something. Right. You're just letting the cholesterol build up. Right. You're putting on the pounds, and and you're hurting yourself. Right. And and it's so weird because it is it's self hurt. Yeah. So. Well, and I I've had back surgery. I have a herniated disc L5 S1, and uh, and I have prosthetic hip. I've got four herniated discs in my neck, and and if I don't work out it gets worse it gets worse and if I put on a little weight especially in the front side it makes my back hurt more so the more that I work things that strengthen my core and the the lower my weight is the better I feel and uh, you know some people might think that's counterintuitive but it it really works this it is it's absolutely true well anything you'd like to say to vet church you've been watching this you've been part of vet church for a while I, I think um, First off, for thanks for being part of this community because um, by by participating and giving Matt the encouragement that keeps him that that helps feed him a little bit it does. to keep him going <laughs> on and and I know that's important you know when you <clears throat> I, so it's not an ego thing but 
it's every once in a while to have somebody go, you know, hey, nice job. And whether that's a like on a video or, or something like that that tells you that there are people out there that are getting value out of what you're doing. So it's incredibly important for you to do that. I don't do it enough because I'm monitoring so many different things that, you know, I could spend all day long just going in and liking all that stuff. So I try to stay up as much as I can. Um, but you're part of a community now. What can you do to make the community better? Wherever you are, can you bring somebody else into the vet church community? Is there somebody, maybe you have a buddy that you know locally that you can go to McDonald's, have a cup of coffee, and pull up a vet church video and watch it and then talk about, hey, let's talk about the things that he discussed. I mean, that, that gives you a great opportunity to share. And when you're bouncing ideas off somebody else, it helps both of you grow. So I encourage you to get out and do that. And, and you know, one of the things, um, we, we were very blessed to talk about Run Ranger Run. <clears throat> the reason this event is happening is because of Run Ranger Run, right? So Run Ranger Run is, it, it was named in homage to a ranger that back in 2012 ran, walked, and biked 565 miles all by himself in a month. And... We had a bunch of people that liked what he did. Wow. Yeah, gave him, and, and he did it because he was basically forced to leave the military because his wife made him choose between being a soldier or being a dad. One-year-old daughter, I'm taking her and we're going home. She did. Ended up, they got divorced anyway. So as he went through this whole process, he wanted to be the physical embodiment of a difficult veteran journey. So as he went off on this journey before he started, one of his squad leaders, got a hold of me and said, can you help support his effort? So we did. We, we got him support through that. And, uh, and afterwards, there were enough people that had liked the Facebook page, which was Run Ranger Run. It's like Run Forest Run, right? So we thought it was funny because he's a ranger. And, uh, and afterwards, we thought people really resonated with the message because we were, we were interviewing him, and he went on CNN, and it, all of these things came together. And now people are going, well, so those are veteran problems, and this is what you guys do about it? Well, here, let me give $100 so you can help with the mission. So it became, well, we kind of got our attention. So the following year, we created the team event, Run Ranger Run, where you and nine of your friends do what Corey did in a, in a month, right? You break it down equally. It's two miles a day, walking, running, biking, swimming. I don't care what. But you and 10 people do 565 miles in a month total, all together, right? You don't have to be with them. You could know a soldier in Germany, your grandma in Illinois, somebody else somewhere, and you guys are all on your same team, and we're using social media to share what you guys are doing together and then with the larger group. And the first year, 2013, we did it. We raised $100,000. only cost $5,000 to do the event. That put us in business as a nonprofit. And every year it's grown. Last year, we hoped that we would raise uh, about $300,000, and we raised over 400. And the extra money that we raised is paying for this event. So we, we Run Ranger Run is every February. We're, we're kicking off from here, encouraging people to register for it. And our hope is, you know, we only have maybe five or 6,000 people that participate, and we raise that kind of money. If we had 10 or 50,000 people that participate, mm-hmm. we're raising $10 million. So, and then we're a true game changer. So if we wanted, I mean, there's 3,000 people in here, mm-hmm. about 2,000 a month are active. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, like, I, I don't do math well, but at least 300 Run Ranger Run teams in there. Yeah. And all they got to do is 
10 people but, say but here's we're but here's do what this. here's what we want to do and I'm talking to the board about this tomorrow morning hopefully they will back me up and <laughs> what I want to do <laughs> um, so so we have the ability to create corporate teams so get with Candace create a vet church corporate team we know all the money that you guys raise through that corporate team well I want to be able to give a portion of that money back if you're a nonprofit I want to give a portion of that money back to that particular organization and what they do. So it's up to the board to say, yes, we can do that, and how much of the, like if you raise $100, how much of that $100 do I give back to you? Because it costs money for us to do the event, and the veterans that you reach through your outreach are going to come to me for help. So I I still have to keep some of the resources to be able to help them. I can address this right here. mm -hmm. Hey, Fed Church, let's do this. We're not going to raise money for us. We're going to give it to Gallup for you because I don't want to be a nonprofit. I like what you guys do. I've liked it from the moment I met you. It, this is real. This this is a no bull crap organization. I, I'm too vulgar sometimes. Oh, you <laughs> dropped the f bomb like ten times near my house. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, if you look back through videos, I do it a lot, and I'm, I'm starting to work. I'm working on myself a little bit, and I think You're it's only the chaplain that. He had an effing prayer service, if I remember right. Something about the quote. Anyway, sorry. Well, you know, it's weird. I started tra- talking to these churches, and I realized. They don't like that kind of talk. No, and you don't. You just don't drop the F-bomb in a church, you know. And then, and then I thought, well, maybe I could. I may not always be clean, but maybe I can work hard on these interviews mm-hmm. not to be dropping the F-bomb. Mm-hmm. Because they are going to podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, this will pop up sometime in this. Well, this well but, but so here's the real reason for that's a business reason. Because if your video gets tagged in SFW, then somebody at their office can't watch it. Ooh, didn't so, know that. So you want to keep it PG-13 rated or PG rated. Yeah. Because there was somebody out there will want to watch it and they can't because content that's in the video. So This is good that's stuff a, to know. That's a good so there we go. That. But let's, uh, let's see if we can get a vet church team to do Run Range or Run. Or 300 of them. Or 300. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll do, we'll set it up so we can track it. We, we want to know the impact. That would be really, yeah. folks, I think that and, would be really And I really guarantee cool. you that we'll help with your ministry if we can raise some money. Well, and we, I mean, we've got guys out and, and ladies out there. I mean, they are athletic beasts. They're but monsters. But you don't have to be, right? Because, well, that's true. No, that's true. Because we had... Last year, we had uh, a grandmother, it was in her 70s, that because one of her family members said, hey, be part of my team, she did. And she made it her goal to go out every day and walk two miles, which she hadn't done in a long time. She lost 10 pounds. She feels way better. So she's Mm -hmm. writing us a note saying thank you for doing this program because I, I changed my diet, I changed my, all these things happened because somebody invited her and motivated her to participate. And can you, can you do it in any month of the year? We do it in February because we make it competitive. So teams compete against each other. Who can get to 565 first? Who can raise the most money? Who can do this, that? Okay. So, and we get prizes. We'll have, uh, we may have a celebrity that writes a book, that donates a book. Well, we, so we want to say during this week on Thursday, we're going to have a special that everybody that donates, somebody's name is going to get pulled and you're, going to win a book. So we get, we have to do it during a finite time period. Right. Let's do that. Hey, Eric Garner, 
from 13th Legion. I want you to donate some books. Yeah, he's a ranger. Awesome. So, yeah, buddy. You've <laughs> <laughs> been called out on Facebook. You have been. <laughs> the challenge is laid down. <laughs> um, thanks for doing this. You bet. I mean, this is a... Uh, I'm getting ready to go crash. I got early morning tomorrow. Oh, you do? You got you a big day. You got to talk to the board. Mm -hmm. Good lands. That's... I'd, I have to do a lot of talking tomorrow. <laughs> well, you got a, you got a, you got a lot of people looking at you. I noticed you walked past the the food area and the bar, and a bunch of people just swarmed over. Yeah. Carl, thank you very much. Thank you for letting me be part of this. I, I'm not letting you be part of anything. You are part of it. Hey, Sam, <laughs> that's that. There that's, we go. That, We've but, got our. Did first. you already cut it off? Or no. okay, so because the, what you said was was important there. Let me be. Thanks for letting me be part of it. This this isn't my thing. This is our thing, right? This gallant few is not Carl Munger's thing. So I started it, but I'm that's how I feel about bed church. I'd have said the same thing. Yeah, yeah but, because but but that's what but so, because it, I have people out there that bitch about well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, well, get off your ass and let's do it, right? Yeah. So don't stand out there and and tell me that I'm doing something wrong. Get involved and let's do the thing that you say is going to help the population that you serve. Come on, That's let's right. do it, right? Let's figure out a way to make it. There's too many people out there that that um, look at helping veterans as a competition, and they're threatened. If you're, you know, oh, you may ask IBM for money, and I'm going to ask IBM for money. Therefore, we won't talk to you because there's just there's no that is so there's wrong. no need for that. Yeah, but but it goes on, and there there are people that do turf wars, and you know you can't help that population of veterans because we were here first, or well, I got no time for any of that because. It's there's the problem is way too big for any one organization to take on. All of them working together still are not going to be good enough to resolve the problems, but we've got to work together. We can't we can't be at odds. So, so it's an us thing. The the other thing, and I may have told you this when I gave you all those pearls of wisdom back then, is there are haters out there, right? Yeah. There are people yeah, that, no, that will true. that will say, oh, how much money are you putting in your pocket? I know what you guys yeah, do. You say I'm you're living in your had, truck, but I've right? So, so there are people that will do that, and they'll post it on social media. It's absolutely untrue, and they'll get other people to believe it. And so you can't let that uh, knock you down at all. You gotta you gotta ignore it, and you just have to keep on doing what you know is right. My bass player just said, "Let's do it." So it's me and Sam. Dan, Outstanding. Can we get Can we get Dan? Eight other people. Dan, we want our drummer in there too. Kate's in there, so there's hey, three. We already got half a team on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're with you, brother. All right, brother. Um, hey, thank, thank you. you again. Yeah, I appreciate mean, the opportunity. Well, and I want to thank you specifically and very publicly for encouraging me. Like when I was, <laughs> you came to see me in a show here. <laughs> I think it was Brett, Brent. Yes. Chris. Brent, Chris, and you. Uh -huh. yep. And there was those three veterans that came to see me play in this little coffee shop. Yes. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> People are in the back going, why are those guys clapping? And I kept playing, man. And I'm going to keep playing. That's what I'm doing. Well, you're good, too. Yeah, thank you. And I love it. I love being part of the last Honky Tonk music series. Um, I, I know they, you know, that we brought the downloads from for everybody here that attended. And that group of folks just loves the idea that they live in a country that's free mm -hmm. and and the love given back and just I mean the idea that you can get people listening to music will help and it does awesome so hey Glad take care yep. it's going to be a fun weekend <laughs> thank you for joining us for this Vet Church interview 
Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.